to this week's edition of The Rig Report. My name is Scott Schweitzer. I'm your host, and we have a great week for you. But first up, make sure you smash that like button, hit the subscribe button. We really appreciate that. And hit the notifier so you're the first to know when new content is released on our YouTube channel. Now, first up, we have a really special guest. I had the opportunity to sit down with Ricky Garrard and Justin Kotler. And we talk about why they chose each other. The story's been famously told that, Ricky, you were listening to a podcast. And Justin made a comment that if he could pick any athlete to coach, it would be you. And that kind of started the, the ball spinning into you picking Justin as your coach. How much research did you do after you heard that on the podcast? Yeah, well, I'd been doing a lot of research beforehand. Uh, before reaching out to Justin, um, asked if he'd be interested in coaching me, and also just kind of cheer myself up to commit to the question and send him a message. And um, so I'd research him before that with um, just some podcasts that you guys have been doing and other podcasts that he'd done, and back like the good days and stuff like that. And then when he announced that, there was um, that was my name that he would if he had one person to coach I was like wow to be. I literally reached out like two minutes after I heard it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was cool because yeah, you know it was it was uh, with Peter right on, on coffee pods and lots and yeah it was uh, I hadn't really you know kind of kind of thought about it that much prior to in the sense of like you know, but it, it, he asked the question and it, it kind of popped into my head. And, you know, I thought, um, it, you know, I at, th- at this point in my career, right, it was kind of like this, it, it would be a great, it would be a great story. It'd be a great challenge and feel like we would work well together. And I, you know, I knew, I knew a little bit about Ricky, you know, cause I knew Benny pretty well from when Benny had, had competed in grid and, and also when Benny, you know, made the games and, uh, the year Benny made the games, I was coaching con. And so the two of them spent some time together and, you know, so I, so I got to know Benny pretty well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was, it's kind of cool. It's, it's kismet almost, you know, it just kind of, this kind of happened and Ricky reached yeah. out and we started talking, you know, for a little while on the phone and got to know each other pretty well. And I don't know, I feel like it's been a, it's been a good, you know, it's been a good marriage in a sense <laughs> so far. Yeah. Meant to be, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been good. So I wanted to ask you, Justin, like how many, how, how many steps did it take for you to go through before you were comfortable signing Ricky? You know, it, it was pretty honestly, like when we first started talking, it was really more about just getting to know each other, you know, and, and we, we talked a little bit, you know, about the process, but really it was, it was after, you know, it was kind of several conversations. Um, you know, I, I spoke to him, I spoke to him and his brother a couple times together. Uh, and, and, you know, we just got to know each other and it, it, it was very, I'll be honest with you, like very quickly, I felt like we had a very good rapport. And I also felt like, 
you know, kind of what you see is what you get with Ricky, you know, like a lot of people don't really know him and, and he's, he's a little bit more introverted, honestly. And you don't see a ton of him on social media and he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, uh, you know, a lot of athletes that are constantly plugging themselves. Um, and he, you know, he doesn't really do that. Um, and so the camera much. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but what's funny is that nobody knows. I mean, he's really funny and like, you know, he's got a great personality. He's just, you know, he's kind of shy on camera, you know? Um, but, but it was, it was pretty quick. And then honestly, like, you know, I don't know whether he meant to do it or not, but you know, he, he did a, a really good job of like ingratiating himself with like, my wife, Ashley, you know, they were talking a little bit on social media and, you know, he was, he was really interested in how the other underdogs were doing last season. And yeah, I could just, I could just tell, you know, that, uh, that it would, it was a good, that it would be a good fit for the two of us. And, you know, we met for the first time in Dubai, you know, we had never, we never really met before. Um, and it was like we had known each other for forever. You know, we just vibe. We just got along incredibly well. And obviously, he had a very good week there. And you know, I'm, I met his I met his better his better half. You know, she's pretty cool. So it was uh, it was a fun it was a fun time. And and I think we've had a very good uh, you know a good a good beginning. And I think we both have very you know we both have big goals for him, which I think are are attainable and. And so I'm, I'm excited, uh, you know, I'm excited for the journey because I think there's a lot of really good days ahead. So the consensus I get from everybody, Ricky, is that you're just one hell of a guy, right? You're, you're super awesome to be around. You're a fun guy to be around. What made you reach out to Ashley? Because I was having dinner with Justin and Ashley, and she told me that that meant the world to her when you reached out to her. Yeah. I'm not sure. I just just uh, reached out and asked how's it going and had a general chat and just a general conversation and I knew I was going to be essentially a part of underdogs and she's Scotland's wife and had to get in the good books early. So <laughs> I think, I think he just out. had, he had the intuition that she was really the one who runs the show. So he, he knew, he knew he had to, he knew he had to get in good <laughs> with her. <laughs> yeah. So my next question for you, Ricky, is you had to you had to spend four years away from a sport that you had grown to love, and you're you know you're getting you're getting your second chance, and you don't want to waste that in any way possible. So that made this decision to go with underdogs super super important because you didn't want to waste a second. Is that true? Yeah, for sure. It's, it was just. Um... The, the way I wanted to come back this time was just uh, a bit more of a professional approach and try and have a bit more of a team around me instead of trying to do it all on my own. So that was the approach I wanted to take and underdogs was um, the right fit for me and just everything about it, everything Kotler and the team around it and just stood out to me. So that's why it worked out in the end. So. Thank you, Ricky and Justin, for sitting down with me. Make sure to check out the full episode with the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends this Monday. Next up, we have the Fantasy Fitnessing folks who take a look at the strength of every semifinal and give you a little preview of their semifinal fantasy game. 
Hi everyone. So it is Catherine and Dave here with Fantasy Fitnessing and we are just going to do a little bit of a chat about sort of the strength of the semifinals now that most of the athletes have been seated into the semifinals. Not everything's complete, things are still changing, but just as of today and probably most of the big names are sort of set of where they're going. So this is probably a pretty good sort of layout of how strong each semifinal is. So yeah, I'm just going to pass it off to Dave. We're going to look at the relative strength of all 10 semifinals. So do you want to start with the men or the women? Yeah, let's start it off with the okay. men. Um, so we did some digging, as we tend to do, um, just to see if, if there's a better way to compare some of the, the semifinals I have going on uh, with each other. So um, starting out, I guess, with the men's side, um, you know, I guess kind of across the board, as you'd expect, Cape Town and Far East uh, were the, the weakest of the two, or, or weakest of the, the semifinals there. Uh, looking from a open perspective, um, the Atlas Games um, definitely jumped out um, as the, the strongest field. Um, so the average finish of men in the open this year who are going to Atlas, 297th spot. Um, next up is Mac um, at 308th. Um, and this kind of filters down. Um, in this case, actually, most of the the semifinals are actually pretty similar, for both in Europe and North America, kind of in that average finish of about 400, which when you look at a field of 30 individuals, um, pretty good. Uh, things, again, start to get a little bit more interesting once well, we took a look at, again, all those athletes, but then from um, a worldwide ranking. Um, so... When we're taking a look at the worldwide ranking um, from Europe, um, you know, 110th was the average finish uh, for both um, strength and depth and um, lowlands there. So um, they are, again, the, the two strongest. Um, but then the North America semifinals are right behind. I think, you know, um, Syndicate and Mac, both 113, 118 for Atlas and Granite. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of the other ones um, and the one that's, kind of sticks out here just because you don't really think of it. Um, the South American sort of the, the Copa semifinal, um, you know, was, was next strongest here with an average finish of 196. So um, stronger than kind of a general field strength, stronger than, you know, Torian, um, which has received a lot of hype. Um, so, you know, South America has an average finish of 196, while, you know, Torian, you know, has a, an average finish of 237. So, um, you know, it's interesting to see kind of that play out um, across the board um, just at a, a larger level. Yeah. And so it's kind of like in terms of looking at an open and quarterfinals, it doesn't really say that much. But that says a lot that the South American men on average are actually stronger than Torian. Yeah. And by a significant margin, too. It's like an average of 40 spots. Um it definitely shows like there's there's a lot more strength in South America than people give it credit for. Yeah. And then on to the women's side of the semifinals. Yeah, so looking at the women, um, you know, I think from an open standpoint, the one that, that really jumps out is strength and depth. Um, so their average open finish was 218th, where next closest was Mac at 314th. So um, from an open standpoint, um, strength and depth is, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else. 
Um, Lowlands was third at 382. Um, and you have the, the other North American semifinals coming in at, you know, 433 with Granite and, you know, 505 for Syndicate and 565 with Atlas. Um, again, similar trends on the women's side with um, South America actually being stronger than Torian. Um, again, from a, like an overall field strength um, in the open with uh, South America being, you know, roughly 40 spots ahead of um, the Torian group from a, an, an open standpoint, uh, which then gets, um, you know, almost further exaggerated once we get to the worldwide ranking. So, um, you know, both just, you know, looking at these North American qualifier or semifinals, um, Granite Games and the Mid-Atlantic CrossFit Challenge both have an average worldwide finish of 117th for women, um, the Syndicate Crown 124th, but then uh, Atlas Games, it jumps up to an average finish of 130th. So, um, you know, when we look at the athletes that are going to be coming out of the semifinals, you know, there's, and once we get to the games, uh, I think we're going to see probably a pretty level or clear differentiating line between the athletes that um, qualify kind of in those, you know, third, fourth, fifth positions out of Atlas versus um, some of the other semifinals um, on the women's side. Yeah, and the interesting thing about Atlas is it has the least number of those four in terms of, like, registered athletes. So they're, I think most of the backfill spots are going to be loaded into Atlas, too. Yeah, that's interesting. So this is just going to grow. Like, this discrepancy is going to grow between the between the two. So, yeah. um, again, from CrossFit having one region and you know, a qualifying tournament to get into it to see this difference is pretty surprising. Yeah, I'm a bit surprised at how this is playing yeah. out. Yeah. All right, so that's it for our kind of semi-final preview show and a little strategy for your salary cap games. We're going to be running a salary cap game every week of the four weeks with the athletes loaded that are competing that weekend. So you'll get a new team to cheer for each weekend and follow along on the weekend. So make sure you are following us at Fantasy Fitnessing on Instagram and have an account at FantasyFitnessing.com because those are going to be the channels for communication when we kick off those games. So make sure you get logged on. You'll get the notifications of the games are up and roster cutoffs so you can change things up as you need. Thank you, Dave and Catherine. And be sure to check out the Fantasy Fitnessing podcast right here on the Clydesdale Media YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Next up, I had the opportunity to sit down with Ariel Lowen and catch up with her after last year's surprising season and what her goals and aspirations are going into the 22 season. I am here with super mom, Ariel Lowen, mom strength, uh, killing it again in the 2022 CrossFit game season. So happy to have her with me. Thank you, Ariel. Thanks for having me on. I love being on your show, Scott. So, uh, I want to kind of recap for people last season. Uh, we joking jokingly say you accidentally made the games last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you were just doing one class a day with some accessory work and you went to Granite Games and you won. Right. You made it to the games and you finished 14th in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, 
I think you told me that after you made the games, you upped your your training time a little bit from that one class a day. Right. And then um, and then after the games, we had you back on our podcast where you said, you think you're going to keep it the same. It worked this year. I want to do it all again next year. Right. So, so then you went through um, the off season, had great off season. Mm-hmm. Got to go to Rogue, got to be treated like a cowgirl, um, got to do all the fun stuff. And then you went to Wadapalooza and you podium. Right. So <laughs> I just want to get your thoughts over last year real quick because uh, we, we've talked about it on the podcast, but I want I want a, just a quick synopsis of that. You kind of described all of it. What you didn't describe was just like the emotion I felt all last year of like the surprise of Grand Games, the surprise of doing so well at the games, the surprise of being invited to Rogue, the surprise of going to Wadapalooza and Podium. Just surprising myself so much last year, and I just have so much to be grateful for that it just makes me so hungry and excited to do it again, hopefully this year. So I want to go through a few stats. Uh, our friends at Fantasy Fitnessing have a database of every competition and every event from 2016 forward. Did you, I want to know, did you know this stuff? No. So last Uh -uh. year you were the most improved open participant of all games athletes. Cool. Yeah, no, I don't know any of this. That's awesome. Did you know that at the Granite Games, you were the only female to finish top 10 in all seven events? No, I didn't know that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you were the, that's it and um and then you're wow. a strong finisher once you get to your like finishing position you don't give it up right once it's you took first in granite you you never gave up first place when you got third at Wadapalooza, you never gave up that position right so you're a very strong finisher um i have all your top five event finishes uh, okay. Granite Games back to back one, Granite Games back to back two. Right. Okay. Uh, Wadapalooza celebrate ten. Yep. Wadapalooza flipped off. Yeah. Granite Games earn it. Which one? Oh yeah. Okay, that was the final event. Uh, Granite Games hang on. Yep. Wadapalooza. The Waza OC Remix. Yeah, okay. And the Rogue Invitational Concept 2. Right. All top I five finishes. I love that. That's cool. I love that. And then, in all of your top five finishes, these are the movements that came up more than once in those events. So I don't okay. know, are these, is this your like wheelhouse of event, of, of movements? GHD med ball GHDs. Um, do you want me to comment now or after you repeat them? Go ahead as I go. Okay. GHDs were a huge weakness, but my coach Matt has helped me improve them so much. So that's now a strength. <laughs> and that came up three times in your top fives. Wow. Toes to bar came up twice. Yeah, I love toes to bar. Handstand push-ups came up twice. Yep. Okay. S- Ski erg came up twice. 
Yep. I love Skierg. And Devil's Press came up twice. Devil's Press? Really? Yeah. That one I did not know. No, that one kind of surprises me, but I guess that's one of those movements. You just kind of have to put your head down and work. Yeah. So, okay. No, that's cool. Is, are those cool stats for you? Yeah, I would. So if I were to expect it, I would expect to see handstand walk in there. I would expect to see maybe running in there. So there were a few like Devil's Press surprised me and weighted GHD surprised me too. I would expect to see muscle ups as well, but they weren't. So we talked about how at the end of last season, you thought you would do things the same way. Right. I know you've moved training locations. Right. Has your, has your schedule and the amount of work you put in changed for the 2022 season? Yes and no. So now I train kind of the same as last time from 11 to one o'clock. So still two hours, but my two hours now at this new location I feel like I have a little bit more freedom. So the intensity has been a lot harder and the volume has been a lot harder. Before it was, the first hour was intense, second hour was enjoy the class wad. Now it's the same thing. First hour is intense, but the class wad at this new gym is intense to where I'm getting too intense working on weakness and a little bit more accessory movements in there. So it's been good. Like uh, we've did with the new gym, we do a lot of accessory stuff after the workout. So we did what are called clamshells where you put a band between your legs and it's like the Jane Fonda, little stuff like that. And I was sore for like five days. So it's just targeting different muscles and I can't wait to see how it pays off. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I go to Christy O'Connell's gym and she does, right. a, they make us do a lot of band work there. And at my old gym, it's we didn't so do good. any band work and it, okay. it wrecks me. Same. Did kettlebell swings, it, leg curls, like all that stuff. I am smoked after that band work. Yep. Oh, I totally agree. It humbles me for sure. So from a mindset point of view, if people don't know your story, you tried to make the games for several years before you actually did. And you actually retired, right. had a baby, and then unretired to make the games. It came back. I know. So, and we talked how your mindset was very different when you tried before to when you tried now. So now that right. you've seen all the success, how do you keep um, the pressure and all of that off of you and stay relaxed? Because you know that's what works for you. I think I'll really be able to tell at the syndicate here in a few a few weeks. I'd like to think coming into this season, I know what to expect of myself. So I'm more confident in my performance, but I really hope I keep the same attitude as I did at Granite Games of like, I'm there to have fun and I'm there to perform. I don't want to just be there to perform or just put so much pressure on myself. So I am nervous, but I'm excited to see how that happens that weekend. Cause now I have the expectation of like, I know I can move well. I expect to be in the top five. So now I just have to perform to that expectation. But it's finally me owning it, whereas before it was everybody else telling me, you can do it, you can do it. This year, I, I, I believe I can do it as well, which is huge. So I think one of the highlights for me was watching you surprise yourself on the competition floor on a continual basis. Right. At Granite Games, you 
you would celebrate because you did something that you weren't even sure you could do, you know, at the games, I know the clean ladder, like, you oh, totally. clean and arms up, jump up and then go <laughs> on your run. Right. Oh, you're not wrong. So I think being that loose and having that much fun helped you be so successful. Um, I do, too. do you think you can keep that fun in what you're doing? I hope so. I know at Wadapalooza, I had so much fun. Same thing at Rogue. So I'm just hoping to do exactly what I did before. Show up, have fun, get to know the athletes. Because half of the fun is just backstage, talking to them, seeing how they're doing, and just kind of meeting new connections. So this season, you're doing awesome. You um, finished you. the Open 16th in the world. Right. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you're an open athlete. Not at all. I don't feel like I'm an online competitor athlete at all. Uh, quarterfinals, 10th in North America, 16th in the world. Kind of hold that 16 position. In the <laughs> I'm <world>. consistent, right? <laughs> right. So were you happy with your performances over those two events? I was happy with how it ended up the final day quarterfinals was a little rough i had to redo two different events so it just wasn't a perfect weekend but i was very very happy with 10th place at the end of it and did you did you deload for quarterfinals or are you just training through it and really focusing on semis uh exactly what you just said with my training because i only train two hours a day i never feel the need to deload i can just kind of maintain this and i recover pretty well so I just, I don't even think I took off Wednesday. We just trained normal and then hit it Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then I didn't take off Monday either. <laughs> so I didn't deload at all. I wow. just, I really, I really enjoy where I'm at and the people in the gym. So I'm just the crazy person who's always there. <laughs> so Ariel says after quarters, man, let's just hit the gym yeah. again. Brush exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to meet one of your training partners at TFX. Okay. And he is a yeah. Masters Games champion. Yeah, Joel Hughes. He trains with me all the time. He's amazing. Did you did you have training partners like that last season? No. I went through a little um I found myself last season and what I need in training partners and a coach after the games. So Joel came on after the games and now we train Monday, Wednesday, Friday every day together. So I've learned what works for me and he's a really good push for me because he likes to move fast and I like to just like hold that constant steady. So he gets me out of my comfort zone and he's so humble. You wouldn't even know he's won the games unless you like dig it out of him. Yeah. I, um, I actually asked him to be on the show or to be interviewed at TFX and he's like, Oh, I'm yeah. not one of those people that talk on the air. Oh my gosh. He's a great speaker. He's just a quality guy. Yeah. So um, what are what are your goals for this season? Qualify for the games. If I do that, I'll be ecstatic. And then at the games, I want to start event one, a competitor. Last year, event one, I got like 30th place in it. So I just felt like all weekend I was trying to climb up the leaderboard. I want to go into event one at the games, be confident. Compete with these girls and keep front of them. And I think if I do that, I'll end up very nicely and I'll be better than 14th, which I just want to improve every year.
And so we're recording this on Good Friday. Right. I know faith is very important to you. How do you make sure that that is still number one priority when you're going through all this success? I know that is the hard part. Number one is when I show up to the gym to train, of course, I'm there to train, but I'm also there to meet people and make connections. Since being at this new gym, I feel like I have like a, a flood of new people that I can kind of evangelize to while I'm at the gym. So as long as I'm being faithful in that, I feel great. Like I met a new girl and now we're reading the Bible together, but I would have never met her if I hadn't gone to this new gym. So I'm going to try and be faithful every day in my life like I have been. And then when I go to these big events, I'm hoping I can do the same there. So just keeping my focus right and intentional. And I know you told stories about last season at the games where you had to give it up to God right before you went on the floor because you you were so nervous. I find that to be one of the hardest things to do in in my faith. Are you confident that you can continue to do that through this season? I hope so. I had to do it at Wadapalooza. So it's, I feel like I'll never get over that. And I just need to keep reminding myself. It's not me. If I rely on me, I'm going to be stressed. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be nervous. I just need to give it. And for me, that looks like memorizing Bible verses. And when I'm backstage, I just repeat the truths. I'm hoping to carry that over into this season. Well, thank you so much, Ariel. I hope you yeah. and Dylan and your little girl have an amazing Easter. Thank you. I hope you do as well. And we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thank you, Ariel, for sitting down with me. And now we're going to move to the Blue City crew who look at are there advantages and disadvantages based on the week of semifinal that you have to compete. Thanks, y'all. Welcome to the little Blue City CrossFit Shows edition of the Rig Report. I've got Taylor Stride and Matt Detman here um, alongside myself, Terry Williams. And today we're discussing a little bit of the semifinal schedule in relation to the games for this 2022 season. Matt, you got our little whiteboard up here. We've made some notes uh, to kick things off. Why don't we just get a little quick overview of not the different events, but the different weeks of yeah it's only four weeks away so we're uh we're approaching well four weeks from this weekend as we're recording this so um the first week in may may 20th you got syndicate the syndicate crown the new one uh the lowlands torian pro the second week of semis may 26th to the 29th is the mid-atlantic crossfit challenge and the fittest in cape town week three june 3rd to the 5th you've got far east and then the granite games and then the last week of, of semis is June 10th through the 12th. You've got Atlas Games, Strength and Depth, and the Copa Sur. So uh, the semifinals take place over a four-week four period. period. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have the last chance qualifier on June, June 29th, um, which is you know a little bit closer to the games than, than I would like if you know, I was competing. <laughs> but um, you know it's, it's neat that you can potentially get some individuals in there that uh, wouldn't have you know, that maybe just were outside the cost, but you still. It's actually a little earlier this year than last year. Last mm-hmm. year was 4th of July. Yeah. Yeah. So four weeks away, um, let's talk kind of what would the, what would be the advantage of being week one versus week three or four? Yeah. And I think this is kind of interesting because there's advantages that go both ways. Right. Um, right now, the advantage is, you know, if you have been training 
to, like as a semifinals athlete, as a games athlete, and you're going that first weekend, um, you're ready to go. But some of these people that maybe squeezed in weren't necessarily expecting to get a semifinal spot or really needed to peak for quarterfinals. Um, their training is going to be a little bit different. And being that first semifinal weekend is, you know, you're not going to have probably the volume um, and the repetitions that someone that, you know, was kind of training through quarterfinals might have had. Um, but then get, you know, from a standpoint of, uh, you're going in that last week, you have more time to build up. You might be able to take a little bit bigger break after quarterfinals. Um, and you are able to kind of, uh, ease into things a little bit more and not jump headfirst into the water. So, you know, from a standpoint of training, it kind of goes both ways, but then you can flip that script when you go to the games. Um, if you qualify that first weekend, uh, in the semifinal, you have really almost three months until the games Yeah, pretty or two months. Three months. Yeah, somewhere in between. Decent, a decent amount of time, basically. So from that standpoint, you're able to start doing those odd objects, start doing the um, running, the outdoor events, the uh, everything that you see at the games that you would never see in semifinals, just because they don't have the space or the ability to test all of those odd um, implements, odd workouts. You really have more time to, to do that kind of training. Um, if you're or just rest, or just rest. Yeah, that's a very true get, statement. I think that's important. You know, you have you you know, punch your ticket the first week, you know, you still got three weeks of semifinals. You've got three weeks to kind of rest up some things that have been ailing you and mm. or you're hurting. And, um, you know, then you can start your, your really hardcore games training at that point. Yes. Um, but then, you know, the flip of that coin is if you're in that last weekend, um, you have about eight weeks until the games and you, you're training, basically you come back and you probably get a couple of days rest and you're head first into training and you yeah. can't, you don't have the option to rest and recover because you, all those things that you need to work on, they need to be addressed now. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got about eight weeks, you know, if you got that last chance qualifier, you know, you're a little less than that, but, um, I like how it's set up this year for two reasons. One, how you've got a little bit more space than you did last year. Wow. It was really close. You know, if you were in kind of those last groupings, you, it was a quick turnaround to the games, mm -hmm. but I like that CrossFit is programming some of the workouts mm -hmm. because if not, you know, you had completely random programming for four weeks in a row. And if you remember the old regionals where every workout was the same. So it got kind of, got kind of boring from a, from a spectator standpoint <sighs> to watch every week, you know, people getting, you know, doing the same workouts, you did see people figure things out. So mm -hmm. it was kind of neat that way. But, um, I like that they're just given to my prediction is it's going to, one of them is going to be like the strength event, whether mm -hmm. it's a max or a, some kind of a complex. So I think that, uh, it, that, you know, it's nice to see that level throughout the the four weeks and at all those semifinals. So at least those tests are, are equal. And then, you know, the, the events can, you know, they can go off, off script for, for the rest of the workouts. So it almost seems like fair to summarize and correct me if I'm wrong here, but like, if you're sure you're going to make the games, like how, let's say mayhem freedom, you want to go in the first week. Cause if you're not assuming you're not injured, mm -hmm. which but like in rich is on record saying like he wants to on the, he's like, hopefully we go first week syndicate, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Cause then you have the most time to prepare for your most important event. Correct. As opposed to um, going last you know, mm -hmm. you have the most time to prepare for semifinals, but the least amount of time to prepare for the games. Yep. If you, like you were saying, maybe a bubble semifinals athlete and you just kind of snuck in, you might want that last week because then you have that more time to get mm -hmm. ready for that semifinal and kind of get your, 
your wits about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might be your games, you, you know, know, hopefully and, not, but you know, it gets yeah. you a lot more, a lot more time to train and prepare and, and uh, get set up and, and travel and stuff like that. So, and you know what, one of the unspoken things about this too is um, travel and being able to find housing and being able to get flights and all of those kind of things that you don't necessarily think about. And I think that's probably why, um, you know, you kind of see that Tori and pro maybe in the first weekend, it's hard for them to get over here, but you, you know, booking flights, the closer you get to these events, um, the harder it is to book these flights. And I think we're going to see some of that with, um, some of the events this year as well, uh, even the semifinals, like right now they haven't backfilled, um, spots yet to these semifinals and all these people have to make flights, housing arrangements, um, all that kind of stuff in a very short, like four weeks amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Flights and be expensive. Uh, yes. And, you know, from a standpoint with that, it goes back to the games. You know, last year when we qualified in the last weekend, it was five weeks before the games. <laughs> that was uh, an expensive Airbnb. It was a very expensive <laughs> Airbnb. And people thought we were crazy for paying that, but there was nothing out there. Totally. And that's, like, what are you going to do? You know, you don't yeah. have hotels. You don't have, uh, all hotels are full. What are you going to do? You have to find somewhere to stay. So yeah. that's what we did. So you stay halfway, half hour away. Yeah. <laughs> Had to make a couple runs back for some shoes and whatnot. Yeah. So, you know, like the kind of things you don't think about, and it would be nice um, uh, somewhat if, you know, CrossFit was holding um, maybe rooms at a hotel or something like that for some of these events, just because you do have a mass amount of people going there. And when you have such a short period of time to find what you need, you know, obviously a lot of crossfitters, we need a fridge, we need a microwave, things like that to kind of yeah. make sure that we're eating the food that we need to eat um, rather than having to eat out all those meals, things like that. So it would be maybe nice in the future. Hopefully this gets a little more structure that there's a little yeah. more structure to where um, with the travel arrangements, things like that, there might be a place for crossroaders to stay um, things where yeah. it's not as much of a rush job and everything. Yeah. So there's advantages and disadvantages to no matter what week of the summer family <laughs> you go in and that um, comes with the territory, but that's all for us this week. And we will throw it back to you guys. See you. Thank you, Teddy, Taylor, and Matt. And be sure to check out all of the Blue City CrossFit podcast episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Next up, Type 1 Lifting had the opportunity to sit down with Michael Jean, who is a teen athlete who competed at the CrossFit Games while battling Type 1 diabetes. So I I forgot to mention, um, so during the Games, you actually met another diabetic. So what was like what was it seeing another diabetic in the wild we were like oh oh it's one of us it's one of me yeah is it like that yeah yeah it's really like that like it's it's really it was really nice because you finally like see someone that knows the the struggle you're living and during the competition too like before the run we talked about like oh what you did to uh, to like manage the run and stuff so it's really nice to share like what you live because other athletes don't don't know at all what you're living so it's really nice yeah because a lot of a lot of people see type one is like kind of like type two diabetes because yeah, they, they really don't know the difference yeah because I've, I've had people come up to me and say oh why how are you a diabetic you're like really fit yeah you know i'm like no that's not how it works my pancreas fit on me so it's my yeah. he's like retired so that's that's how it works so yeah. do, do you get that too yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, why are you diabetic? You 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 ate too much sugar or stuff like that. I'm like, man, <laughs> shut up. Yeah. yeah. So did do people come up to you and say, hey, you can't eat that, you're a diabetic? Yeah, yeah, a lot. They don't understand that it's not like you're not allergic. It's just like you do choice. 
but it's not because you can't eat it it's just because you, you don't want to <laughs> like mm -hmm. you don't understand the the difference yeah interesting so we're obviously being a teenager like do your levels like go crazy at all like when you first became a diabetic or is it now you've gotten to the hang of it that it's like just like completely normal uh it's it's pretty good i think it's a the only thing is really during uh, trainings with yeah. CrossFit and football, it's it's all over the place. Uh, nothing works. But when I, I'm just chill at home, uh, everything's good. But I'm still able to like manage it even uh, with the, the trainings and stuff. Mm -hmm. like, uh, I think my last A1C was like uh, 5.9 or something like that. Whoa, really? Yeah. Dang, that's awesome. That's impressive. Yeah, I, so when I first got diagnosed, my A1C was, I think, 11.5. And then I got it within, within nine months, I got it down to 5.8. And then another year, I just ate like an a, I ate like an asshole. And so all of a sudden, my A1C went up to like seven or eight. And I'm like, okay, this has got to stop. So I kind of like, I kind of like stopped a little bit and kind of like yeah. been more, like, okay, stop eating like an idiot, you know, just eat the same thing and, and be happy. Yeah. So, <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever get burnt out at all being a diabetic? Uh, what do you mean burnt out? Like tired of like doing the same oh, yeah. stuff, like insulin and all that stuff. Yeah. Yes. Mostly during uh, like when I work out and it doesn't work because I'm low and I'm high and I just can't do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really like, I'm that makes me like sad and I'm, I'm tired of it, but like, yeah. I can't do nothing about it. So <laughs> I'm not gonna. Yeah. So, so with, with me, sometimes if I get like really low or really high, I have to like sit down and especially with like, cause I have two kids as well. So it kind of makes me feel like helpless that I can't like help out. And it makes me like, I don't know. I, I just, there's sometimes I'm just like, okay, this is, getting a little too ridiculous and so it just it makes me feel bad because then my wife is like well you should you should know better and i'm like well i can't help it all the time yeah. so it's like it's 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 my blood sugar it's like it's it does its own thing it's you know i get a really if i wanted to be yeah. normal i'd have to check my blood sugar at least like 20 times a day yeah same but like throughout the whole process well, um were you happy with your results after the game like when the game was over games were over no, not really. Uh, during the second day, I had a like a good workout. It was a sled push and clean and jerks, like a sprint. I finished fourth, but um, I had like a uh, like a heat stroke. Yeah, I was dehydrated and uh, dehydrated, and uh, so after the workout, I just like passed out. But I finished fourth, uh, fourth. So I was happy, but I passed out, and I, I was I wasn't able to just um, stand up. So uh, everybody got me to uh, help me, and I puked and and stuff. So they got me to the the the, the hot the, the, like the EMT crew. Yeah, and uh, so I missed the the man uh, the. The, the fifth the next workout yeah yeah that the the man i don't know how to say the next workout uh, thing that they, they explained the next workout 
So I missed it and I didn't know what the next day workouts uh, was. So when I, uh, I, uh, I went to the, the warm up area where they, they explained it, like my friends told me the workouts, but I didn't really know. So the next day it was a, a big, uh, like a workout with double unders, muscle ups and ski. And I was like, oh, nice, that's good for me. I think I can, I can do well. And the, the day before I did well. So I was like really motivated to, uh, to go hard. But I didn't know that the double unders were on the, some uh, grass. And my rope was, I, I, my rope broke during the qualifier. So I mm -hmm. replaced it with a small cable like that I bought at the store, not even made to, for a jump rope. Yeah. So it was fine during the qualifiers. But when I, I went to on the grass, I, I wasn't able to do like two double unders in a row. Oh, that's so nice. So oh. pissed off. Like I finished last because I wasn't able to. It was a round of 100 double unders. <laughs> so Jeez. I did one round. I don't know how I finished uh, one round, but it was really bad. So that like ended my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously, um, you know, it's a big community at CrossFit. So did you make a good amount of friends during that yeah. whole? The whole thing yeah everybody was really nice but uh i have uh, one friend that i still talk to uh, like every day uh, it's a uh, he's a i don't know if you will see this a uh, gabriel Wazel. he's a brazilian <laughs> like i didn't uh, talk to him uh, before and right after and like we became really good friends we still talk uh, talk together and like we share uh, workouts and stuff like every day so that's nice and yeah, yeah meet a lot of of people the people were really nice down there so. yeah i don't i don't really think crossfit athletes are are mean or anything like that they obviously yeah. they'll have like a switch that turns on and they say okay i'm laser like i'm focused yeah be like before the workout everybody's focused nobody like uh talking but like after everybody is uh, like you're against each other but you're friends so it's really nice. Not like in football. In football, everybody <laughs> don't talk. And uh, even after the game, uh, you're not friends with the other team. Like, you just want to beat them. And <laughs> yep. Yep. You just want to rip their heads off, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's really, like, random. Every day is different. Even if you do the same thing as you did the yesterday and the other day. Yep. Like, you can, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it could go high, but you did nothing uh, different. Yeah. So, um, speaking, talking of going back to the uh, CrossFit Games. So, you do you know that you that you're the third diabetic in the CrossFit Games? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I'm really proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, do you know who the first person is? No, I don't know. So, um, so I heard she's actually been on my podcast twice. Uh, her name's Kelly Wild. So she's been she's been to the games I think three times, and she she went she went on she went in as as a team, um, with a team of six before they changed it to four. So she was there from like for three years before they changed it to four. So she's been there. You've been there. Um, gosh, that other girl's been on my podcast too. I forgot her name. Yeah, yeah. So she's it just it's just you three right now. As as far as far as what I know, because I've done I'm trying to see if there's any other diabetics like that have gone to the games being like in like the master's class or the teenagers. And it's so far I've only, only, you know, have noticed three people. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, like I'm really proud because I think it can show other diabetics that it's possible to compete at high level or not even CrossFit, but also every sports and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like it like open doors to them to to know that you can like do it even with type one diabetes. Yeah, and then that kind of gets your chest up too. You're like, hey, look what I can do, and you can do it too. So. <laughs> thank you tom and if you want to hear more from the type 1 lifting podcast you can listen right here on the clydesdale media youtube channel or wherever you listen to your podcasts finally we have cheryl nasso who brings her nutritional expertise to you every week this week she talks about nutrition periodization all right guys what's up this is coach cheryl here from fit body secrets and last week i broke down my nutrition hierarchy And today, what I want to take you guys through is a little look at nutrition periodization based on goals. So hopefully if that episode sparked you to start to take a look at your nutrition, maybe you're looking at your overall goals, where you are in life and what you want to achieve. And now it's time to start thinking about, okay, how can I actually start to see some progress? And this is probably one of the biggest problems I see in the in the world of nutrition and diets and all that types of stuff is people don't really understand that you shouldn't be focusing on nutrition 12 months out of the year. And you definitely should not be working on fat loss 12 months out of the year. So the first thing that I want to talk to you guys about a little bit is the different types of nutrition periodization. I guess I should take a step back and just break down what the heck do I mean by periodization? So essentially what periodization is, is I want you guys to look at your year as seasons. And just like we have seasons, fall, spring, winter, summer, We have seasons in our nutrition focus points, and that is going to help keep us healthy long-term and also make sure we are actually having good results long-term that are sustainable. So if you are a CrossFit athlete and your season is getting ready for open quarterfinals, semifinals in the games, that is it, your in-season period. Vice versa, that might not be you. And I'm going to talk about the differences there and also the similarities. So there are four pieces of your season or your seasons, four pieces of your year. You've got your preseason, you've got your in-season, you've got your postseason, and you've got your off-season. If you are a competitor, as I just mentioned, this is going to look like preseason, you're getting ready to ramp up into your season. Season, you're performing at your highest level, your highest output. Postseason, you're looking at recovery. And the off-season, that's when you're going to be making your adjustments. Your nutrition should look very much like that. So in the post-season, which is where a lot of people are right now, or they might actually still be in-season, your goal at this point should be recovery. So your dietary protocols should be in line with getting you recovered from the stress of your season. This means calorie intake, that second nugget on my hierarchy, should be dialed in at maintenance, if not slightly above some days. For some people, they might be slightly below some days if they are walking around a little bit heavier, a little bit more inflamed. But for the most part, in that postseason, we want to be really, really, really close to calorie maintenance. The volume is going to go down. So if there are a few days that are in calorie deficit, that is also okay. Now, in the off season, what you're going to be thinking about is what are going to be the biggest things that are going to get me better for next year? So for a lot of CrossFitters who are looking to maybe get a little bit leaner or get a little bit stronger, This is the time to do that. And this is where we're going to make the biggest changes and the biggest experimentations with our nutrition. That means that if your goal is to get stronger, you're likely going to be in a calorie maintenance, slight calorie surplus. If your goal is to get leaner, 
Your goal is to be at calorie maintenance or a slight calorie deficit. If your goal is performance optimization, making sure that we're prioritizing, also experimenting with things like meal timing around workouts and things like this or uh, around competitions, this is the time to be playing with all of those nutrition things. It's when you can actually have the biggest amount of experimentation because it doesn't really matter as much. You don't have anything prioritizing coming up. Going off, out of the off season, we want to be getting back into preseason. So whatever adjustments we made, whatever flexibility we created, we now want to tighten all that kind of stuff in and be super consistent, super structured with our nutrition so that we know exactly what's working for us going into our season again. And then in season, our main goal is recovery. It's a lot of calories, calorie surplus. You actually might see some weight fluctuations in the up for a couple of days here and there. That's totally normal and part of you guys being in a good place for performance. Now, it actually is very similar to what I would like to call the everyday CrossFitter. Those of you guys out there that are just looking to look and feel your best, you actually enjoy spectating in the sport, but you have goals. And maybe your goal isn't to peak for the CrossFit Games. Maybe your goal is to peak body composition for a vacation this summer, or maybe you are peaking for a different competition, whatever it might be. This is the difference between the everyday CrossFitter. You have the same seasons pre in, pre in, off, or pre in, off, pre in, post and off season. However, your focuses are very different. So for most people, their in season is just like a CrossFitter, the time when they're not focusing on making big changes or being super dialed in and rigid with nutrition. They're in, in season, they have to recover. In season for most everyday CrossFitters is going to be the time when you are spending laying on the beach and actually enjoying your life a little bit. That's your in season. So your in season is very different from a CrossFitters, but it's similar in what you're going to be doing. That's the time when calories should be at maintenance, maybe slightly above. You're actually enjoying the fruits of all of your hard labor in your off season. Post season, if you are in that vacation spot, you are likely going to be taking yourself from that calorie surplus into a little bit of a calorie maintenance, calorie deficit, because you want to get a little bit leaner. So the goal is going into season. You've worked really hard to get yourself lean in season. You're actually relaxing a little bit post season. You're dialing things back in. And then going into the off season is when we're going to be looking at our next season, where we want to be next year. And this is where we can actually make the bigger body composition changes, bigger changes in our nutrition to facilitate fat loss, all of those types of things, or muscle gain, whatever that might look like to you. Then going back into pre-season for our vacation, we're probably going to be a little bit tighter in nutrition. We want to look super good going into the in-season, which is our diet break, which is the last thing about this episode that I want to talk to you guys about. So what I'm, my main purpose of this episode is to kind of tack onto the hierarchy one, but explain to you guys that you don't have to always be eating a little bit of calories. You don't have to always have to be just gorging yourself all the time. Developing a program and a, a protocol for your nutrition that builds things in around the year, cycled with what your specific goals are or how you want to look and feel at specific times of the year, is a great way to make sure that you actually have an enjoyable experience with dialing in your nutrition. So hopefully that was helpful for you guys today. Uh, if you guys have any questions about nutrition periodization or my hierarchy of nutrition, please shoot me a message. would love to be able to hear from you guys and help you all out. Till next time. See y'all later. Thank you, Cheryl educational and fun as always. Thank you so much for listening to this week's rig report. Be sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel and hit the notifier. So you're the first to know when new content is released with that, 
We will see you next time on The Rig Report.